Browns, Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. Ocean State Bird Club offers bird walks, lectures, and a quarterly newsletter all focused on the hundreds of bird species that pass through Rhode Island. Fall is the perfect time to bid farewell to the last of the summer migrants. Find us at OceanStateBirdClub.org and follow us on Facebook, Ocean State Bird Club. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 701. We'd like to start the show off this morning by welcoming friends and now Talking Bird supporters from a country in Africa that hosts more than a thousand bird species. The country is Tanzania, and our new show supporter is Nasera Safaris, a wonderful group that will take you to see many of those birds and all the other spectacular wildlife in Tanzania and several other countries in Africa. Welcome, Nasera Safaris, to the Talking Birds family. Meanwhile, back here in the USA, we have a Michigan Chimney Swift update. A couple of weeks ago, we reported that folks up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, were trying to keep the decline of Chimney Swift populations in their area from becoming more severe by trying to convince the city to retain a big chimney that has served as a roosting spot for more than a thousand Chimney Swifts. The chimney is part of a group of buildings slated for demolition, and the local Sierra Club in the Audubon chapter requested that the chimney, and by extension, the birds that depend on it, be saved. So here's the update, and it's some good news. The Ann Arbor City Council has voted unanimously to evaluate the chimney in question for retention, even while other structures at the site are demolished. Washtenaw Audubon says that if the chimney can be salvaged, and if the funds can be raised to do necessary repairs, their beloved Swifts will be safe in their historic roost. So some hopeful signs there, and we'll continue to follow the story of the Chimney Swifts there in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Well, one of the reasons we talk a lot about conservation issues not directly related to birds here on our show is simply because when bad things happen to the planet and to other species, bad things happen to birds, too. And, of course, to people. Well, there's a new report out from the World Wildlife Federation that we all need to pay attention to. The report says that since 1970, the world's vertebrate population, from birds to bears, from aardvarks to alligators, from bats to baboons, has dropped an average of 60%. That's 6-0, 60% since 1970. The most striking decline was in the tropics of South and Central America, with an 89% loss compared to 1970. Included among the biggest declines for birds are the gray partridge, also known here in North America as the Hungarian partridge, whose population fell by 85% between 1970 and 2004. And in another time frame, in southwest Ghana, between 1992 and 2014, the African gray parrot population decreased by 98%. And here's a quote from the World Wildlife Federation report. There cannot be a healthy, happy, and prosperous future for people without biodiversity. 
end of quote. And that biodiversity very obviously under some pretty serious threat. And speaking of biodiversity in Brazil... There is a new president, and there's a lot of concern about what Jair Bolsonaro will mean for, among many other things, the future of the Amazon rainforest, the largest and most biodiverse tract of tropical rainforest in the world, the place where one in ten known species on the planet are found. During his presidential campaign, Mr. Bolsonaro pledged to roll back protections of the rainforest and to harvest its riches. Scott Mainwaring, a Brazil expert at Harvard University's Kennedy School, was quoted this week on NationalGeographic.com as saying, Bolsonaro has a very strong anti-environmental discourse, and I have zero doubt that his discourse will direct policy. So environmentalists all over the world will be watching to see if Mr. Bolsonaro follows through on his pledge to exploit the Amazon. We're back in the U.S. again, and it's a preview of our mystery bird contest, a bird that looks a whole lot better than it sounds, although up close it doesn't look that good. But anyway, this is our mystery bird. This is a preview of our contest. Coming along a little bit later in the show, we'd like to get you ready to call in. We'll even give you the phone number ahead of time. Ready? 781-837-4900. Our mystery bird is a large wading bird of the southern U.S. coasts where it uses its unique bill to strain small food items out of the water. Well, it feeds on crustaceans, aquatic beetles, bugs, frogs, newts, and very small fish. Our bird has a long, flattened kind of spatula bill, a bald head, reddish legs, and mostly pink plumage. That would be our mystery bird. That's a little preview. We have a whole raft of beautiful prizes at stake on our mystery bird contest uh, for today. Extra, extra, read all about it. Some of the stories and videos on our Facebook page uh, this week. From time to time, scientists find new species or reclassify and split existing species, and now they've done it again, but this time with a creature that existed 150 million years ago. It's a new species of Archaeopteryx, long considered a transitional species between dinosaurs and birds. In describing this discovery, University of Manchester researcher John Nudds says... You could say that it puts Archaeopteryx back on its perch as the first bird. We have full details about dinosaur development on our Facebook page. Uh, Meanwhile, a new study describes how tropical mountain-dwelling birds are riding an escalator to extinction. As a warming planet drives them to higher and higher altitudes, we have the full story on our page. And we'll also be welcoming the lead author of the study, Dr. Ben Freeman as a Talking Birds guest in the very near future. And lots of people love rigatoni, the little tube-shaped type of pasta. But if you made some rigatoni that was much longer than the usual serving size, you'd have something that could be used as a drinking straw. Yes, a pasta straw, which an increasing number of restaurants are now offering in place of single-use plastic ones. Check out our page to see one of these beautiful and biodegradable straws. And thanks to Candy Powell for sending us the pasta picture so we could post it on our page. That's some of what we have for you on our Facebook page right now. For what it's worth, I'm for 
name is James Pertulipak. I'm from Morgantown, West Virginia. I'm fairly new to birding. I love the show, and I'm a Talking Birds ambassador. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talking Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, talkingbirds.com. Click on the contact button, and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. That's right, and thank you, James. We hope, Talking Birds listeners, that you'll join James as a Talking Birds ambassador. We have more cards ready to send out. Speaking of ambassadors, we want to say thanks to our ambassador and friend Greg Bodker up in Houghton Lake, Michigan. He sent us a beautiful card, complete with a gorgeous scarlet tanager photo, uh, congratulating us on our 700th show, which was last week. And he also noted that he's become more aware about the problem of single-use plastics. He says, quote, we've taken action. We've eliminated the use of bottled water and single-use plastic bags. Just another small step for man, <laughs> end quote. Great stuff, and thank you so much, Greg. And a quick shout-out to Johanna VZ, who sent us a message via Facebook saying that she listens to our show from her home in Perth, Western Australia. Thank you, Johanna. Still to come on our show today, we'll check in with our own Debbie Bleacher, who will usher us into the Talking Birds science corner and explain that one of the reasons dinosaurs were able to rule the world was because they had lungs similar to those of modern birds. Plus, we'll catch up with our man Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment on a very different topic. It has to do with birds and voting uh, back in the 1890s or early 1900s. And up next, a rather unusual bird from down Florida way is today's featured feathered friend. Presented by Birdwatching Magazine, for more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Our featured feathered friend, right after this brief message. Hi. I'm Debbie Bleacher, Talkin' Birds Senior Producer. We bring you Talkin' Birds every week because we care about birds and the environment. We know you care, too, but here's what's troubling. 15.78 million American environmentalists didn't vote in the midterm elections in 2014. Our votes matter for the health of birds and all wildlife, so let's do better this time around. For more information and to register to vote, go to environmentalvoter.org. That's environmentalvoter.org. Yes, I remember it well. Dressing up in layers of warm clothing, long johns and flannel-lined trousers, two pairs of socks in tall boots, a parka, insulated mittens, and a ski mask. Equipped with binoculars, scope, and tripod, and a Peterson field guide tucked in a jacket pocket, I'd head for the snow-swept dunes of Sandy Neck, a five-mile-long barrier beach on Cape Cod Bay. And one of my favorite sights was a bird that obviously, if incredulously, thrived in these conditions. A tiny bird that spends the summer breeding season on the tundra in the high Arctic. A little bird swooping and turning in small flocks and managing to find sufficient food in this seemingly barren landscape, feeding on weed and grass seeds, on wind-scoured patches of sand, and on stalks that poked above the snow. The bird is Pletrophoenix nivalis, better known as the snow bunting. With their white undersides and large white wing patches, contrasting with a brownish back and black tail and flashing dark wingtips, 
A flock of these birds careening in unison overhead will remind you of a snowstorm even when the snow has stopped. The Snow Bunting, today's Talkin' Birds, featured feathered friend. And it's here on our show number 701. Now a message from the folks who make our favorite coffee. That, of course, is Birds and Beans, shade-grown, bird-friendly coffee. And it's a very special message because right now you can get 12 12-ounce bags of delicious Birds and Beans coffee at a 25% discount. That's 25% off the price of this beautiful coffee assortment. Three bags of Scarlet Tanager Dark Roast. Three Chestnut-Sided Warbler Medium Roast. Two American Red Start Light Roast. Two Wood Thrush Medium Roast. One Baltimore Oriole Decaf. And one Kingbird Espresso. It's 12, 12-ounce bags for just $120. That's a 25% discount and wouldn't a coffee lover on your list love to have this as a holiday gift? I, I think so. And if you're listening to our show live here on the 4th of November, you can get an additional 5% off if you make your order today. So that's 30% off the regular price. Remember, Birds and Beans is the only coffee brand in the USA that is 100% certified Smithsonian shade-grown bird-friendly, USDA organic and fair trade certified. Every bean in every bag helps save birds, tropical forests, family farmers and their workers, local rural economies, and the earth we all share. And it's delicious. Take advantage of this big discount offer and please don't wait. Order yours today at birdsandbeanscoffee.com. That's birdsandbeanscoffee.com. And we take you now to the Talking Birds Science Corner. Come up to the lab and see what's on the slab. And right in that Science Corner, coming to us by telephone from some corner there, it's our own Debbie Bleacher. Good morning, Debbie. Hey, good morning, Ray. So we understand scientists have discovered something about dinosaur lungs, and it seems to have some connection to birds. What can you tell us about it? Yeah, scientists at the University of Manchester in England have discovered that dinosaurs seem to have had the same kind of lungs that modern birds have. Hmm. So what's special about modern bird lungs anyway? Well, they're really weird. Um, At least they seem weird to me. (laughs) Most animals take in oxygen only when they breathe in, but birds Mm -hmm. also take in oxygen when they breathe out. Um, they, they have these, their lungs are rigid. Mm. You might have noticed that we never actually see birds breathing. Mm. When we look at the songbirds at, at our feeders, we don't see their little chests rising and falling. Yeah. yeah. We, we see them panting sometimes when it's, when it's hot. But what about when they sing? They, some birds perform these incredibly lengthy songs. You would think we would see some kind of breathing going on in that case, but not really so, right? Yeah. Um, well, this is another weird thing. Okay, so in addition to the rigid lungs, they also have the lungs have sacs coming off them that store air, and they can push that air out into the lungs like bellows. So when the lungs are empty, the, there's still the stored air. Uh, and also, there's uh, uh, birds take these tiny, tiny little breaths when they're singing, mm-hmm. on the order of thirty milliseconds. It's like a thirtieth of a second. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. So how does this all relate to dinosaur lungs? Oh yeah. So um, these researchers at the University of Manchester, um, led by uh, the team led by Robert Brocklehurst, uh, they used a CT scanner to compare the lung cavities of 
let's see if I get this right, 16 dinosaur species mm-hmm. and 29 modern birds. Um, they also scan the lung cavities of four modern crocodilians. That means crocodiles and alligators because they share a common ancestor with dinosaurs. Wow. Did you hear what she called me, Tim? Anyway, <laughs> so they compared the lung cavities instead of the actual lungs, right? Yeah, and that's because the lung cavities were all they had. I mean, when you think about it, lungs don't make good fossils because yeah. they're flimsy and they get squished. So they get squished by heavy mud and rocks, and they dissolve over time instead of becoming mineralized. So all you know, all the scientists had was was what was left—the hard structure, the mm-hmm. bones. So what did that comparison show? Um, well, um, something to know first is that bird lungs are supported by stru- by special structures in their spine and ribs, mm-hmm. um, specifically the vertebrae, um, which are the bones make up the spine. Um, and the, uh, they, uh, there are special rib joints that connect to the vertebrae that protect and support a rigid lung. So um, the researchers uh, looked for, uh, did not find this kind of joint in the alligator lung cavities, mm-hmm. um, but they found them in dinosaur lung cavities and in the bird lung cavities. Um, so this discovery helps strengthen the argument that birds are the closest modern descendants of dinosaurs. Mm. And it even gives some idea of how bird lungs evolved. Okay, so we know that dinosaurs apparently had lungs like this, similar to birds, but why? Why would they need to have lungs that could take in oxygen even when exhaling? Well, right now, nobody's found a dinosaur to ask about this. But mm. Check um, on that, Tim. Is... I'll look into it. All right. Uh, oh, thanks. <laughs> Um, but it is known that the atmosphere um, at the time of the dinosaurs contained less oxygen than it does now. Um, back then, it seems to have contained about 10 to 15 percent oxygen, and today it's about 20 percent. So maybe dinosaurs developed these super efficient lungs just because they were a good adaptation. And maybe that's why the dinosaurs were able to grow so large while mm-hmm. other animals stayed comparatively small. Wow, pretty amazing. And as you say, uh, kind of weird. Anything else to add to this? Yeah, um, a fossil, an actual fossilized lung, like the t- soft tissue, um, was recently found, of a, a Cretaceous era bird was recently found in northeastern China. The bird seems to have been killed by, vo- by volcanic ash, which somehow preserved the lung instead of destroying it. Um, the fossil's been dated to about 120 million years ago. So the thought is maybe we'll get to learn more about the evolution of bird lungs from this fossil. Wow. All right. Well, we'll look forward to that, and um, no doubt we'll hear about it on the uh, Talking Birds Science Corner. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Debbie. You're welcome, Ray. Our own Debbie Bleacher reporting live and direct from the Talking Birds Science Corner here on our show, number 701. All right. Uh, Let's see. What's next on our agenda? I believe that would be our mystery bird contest in just one minute. Tanzania hosts more than a thousand bird species. And on safari with Nasera safaris, you'll see the birds and the big five. The lion, leopard, elephant, rhino, and cape buffalo. That's Nasera safari's founder and guide, Joseph Dunguru. And the Sarah Safaris provides more, says co-founder David Clapp. We offer customized safaris and mountain climbing adventures in Tanzania, Kenya, and Uganda, and gorilla trekking in both Uganda and Rwanda. Going on safari in Africa is an unforgettable experience, and there's no better way to do it than with Nasera Safaris. See their website for details, nasarasafaris.com, N-A-S-E-R-A, Nasera Safaris. 
We're on to our Mystery Bird Contest. And by the way, if you're not hearing our Sunday morning show live, we hear the show live from 9.30 to 10 uh, Eastern Time. That would be Eastern Standard Time, right, as of, as of today. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to listen to our show live and you're not uh, near a radio station that allows you to do that, just go to TalkingBirds.com and you can see how to uh, hear our show live and, and take part, for example, in our Mystery Bird Contest. That would be the sound of our mystery bird. It's a large wading bird of the southern coasts where it uses its unique bill to strain small food items out of the water, feeding on crustaceans and aquatic beetles, bugs, frogs, newts, and very small fish. Our bird has a long, flattened kind of spatula-like bill, a bald head, reddish legs, and mostly pink plumage. Tell us what it is or take your guess. A unique feature of our mystery bird contest is that you don't necessarily have to get the right answer as long as nobody else does. We have some beautiful prizes this morning, including the Droll Yankees Cute Feeder, the cutest little chickadee feeder for any type of food and for any type of small bird for that matter. It even lets you manage the size of visiting birds with its height-adjustable dome. Then we have a download to your iOS device, or online access to the LockWire app. This is a cool thing. It makes learning bird sounds a game. And we have a 12-ounce bag of delicious, shade-grown, bird-friendly birds and beans coffee. So a whole raft of prizes there. 781-837-4900 is the number. That's 781-837-4900. Call us as soon as you can for our mystery bird contest. Meanwhile, we're going to head down to um, Cape Cod, Massachusetts, Orleans to be specific. Check in with our man, Mike O'Connor. It's Let's Ask Mike live in just one minute. Well, here's a preview of another great nature book from Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, publishers of the Peterson Field Guides, the Kaufman Field Guides, and many more useful guidebooks and reading books. The Guide to Walden Pond is the first guidebook to Henry David Thoreau's most defining place, visited by half a million people each year. Many more know it as the fountainhead of America's environmental consciousness. Using this guide, both armchair readers and trail walkers can join Thoreau devotee Robert Thorson on an amble around the pond's shoreline, stopping at 15 special places to explore people, events, and the natural world. Abundantly illustrated with photographs, drawings, and maps, this guide is a must-have for a meaningful, engaging tour of Walden Pond, as well as a souvenir of a visit. The Guide to Walden Pond is available wherever books are sold. Down to the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Mike O'Connor is here with us, and he's going to take us way back to, I believe, the year of 1897 and uh, how that relates to birds and voting that's coming along, a big important election on Tuesday. Good morning, Mike. Right now. At oh. first I had that... We, oh, missed, we missed your first few words there, I Mike. Would you repeat them? We don't want to well, miss them. Yes. You know, I know, yeah. It's probably the Russians. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, just as I'm waiting for my cue, 
not one but four evening growth beaks landed on the feeder right in front of the window here. Oh, beautiful. And, and you know, and I, as we talked about, you mentioned that this might be a year of northern finches, and apparently mm-hmm. you weren't lying this time because, boy, they just came <laughs> in. And now I'm, I don't even know what I was supposed to talk about. What am I supposed to talk about? <laughs> I think you were going to talk about a, a, a heroine of the bird world called Harriet Hemingway. Oh, Harriet yeah. Hemingway, that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's right, because with the coming election in a couple of days... And, you know, everybody's kind of talk to each other to go out and vote how important that is and mm-hmm. all that, especially, you know, in terms of, you know, if you're concerned about, like you talked about Brazil and the ecological problems down there in the Amazon, we got to get out and vote. Well, this woman, Harriet Hemingway, Hemingway, I have trouble saying that. No G in Hemingway. Just like no G in talking birds. <laughs> the, uh, um, back in the late 1800s, 1890s, a fashion statement was to put... Used to used to put a feather on top of your hat, like yeah. the Pied Piper, perhaps. But then they got carried away, and they would put the entire bird. People would be walking around with a grouse on their head or a heron on their head. It was it's really still. But they wiping out all the they're wiping out all the birds. Mm-hmm. So she got together with her cousin to try to do something about it. The trouble is, women at that time couldn't vote. Mm. They weren't allowed to vote. They couldn't drive cars either, which seems amazing. But that's because you know cars really weren't invented at that time. But. <laughs> Another stumbling block. (laughs) Um, So they would get together. They would have afternoon teas with all their... uh, These are kind of socialites, and they would get together and what to do. So they started actually with... They would put pressure on their husbands, who, of course, could vote at that time. And and through their efforts, and they kept bringing this up, and they started boycotts against these crazy hats, and they worked on their husbands to kind of support this. And they started what turned out to be uh, Massachusetts Audubon Society, and they put forth the Lacey Act, which stopped... uh, putting the animal products through the states, and then, uh, then eventually the Migratory Treaty Act, which we all know has done a lot of good, which again, you know, is under attack again. But it was these women who couldn't vote, but they worked, they found a way around it, and now they saved, they, it's, the work has been immense in this time, and I'm a little disheveled because the gross speaks are here. <laughs> <laughs> and women didn't get the vote finally until 1920. Yeah, it seems amazing, isn't it? It, it seems doesn't unbelievable. Do. But now they got a chance to vote again, like everybody else. Someone's coming up this week, so get out and do it, or watch the vote speak, whatever. Let's <laughs> you can do both. I'm doing both. I'm and doing Harriet both. Hemingway still our, our hero after all these years. Talk to you next week, Mike. Okay, thanks for right. We're back to the mystery bird contest. A very beautiful bird, at least from a distance. Up close, it's kind of weird looking, but from a distance, it's really... It's really a beauty. It's our mystery bird. It's a large wading bird of the southern coasts. It has a long, flattened kind of spatula-like bill, a bald head, reddish legs, and mostly pink plumage. I know you know what this is, our mystery bird. Beautiful stack of prizes from Droll Yankees and uh, Larkwire app and Birds and Beans coffee. Let's see, Tim, where are we going first? We have calls from all over the place here, including Pennsylvania. California and Massachusetts, and uh, how about if we go to Pennsylvania? It's our first caller there, I believe, and uh, I'm not going to try to guess at the this name exactly. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Tell tell us your name, if you would. I can't quite make it. Is it Ayapa? Yeah, it's Ayapin. Ayapin. So it's not Ayapa at all, but anyway, Ayapin, thank you for calling in to our mystery bird contest. Whereabouts in Pennsylvania yeah. are you? 
I'm in uh, Montgomery Township. Montgomery County. Well, you heard our clues uh, for a mystery bird contest um, and the sound of the bird and all of that. What do you uh, What do you think it is? I think it may be the roseate spoonbill. Roseate Spoonbill Tim, and Tim is giving us a big smile, a thumbs up, he's nodding, he's, he's uh, doing all that and indicating that... We have a that, winner. We, that's <laughs> what it's indicating, that we have a winner. I knew I would get to awesome. it eventually. Yeah, nice job, and uh, thank you so much for, for calling in, and we'll uh, send you all those beautiful prizes. Thank you. All right, thank you so much. Aya Penn calling us from Montgomery County in Pennsylvania and correcting, uh, correctly identifying the roseate spoonbill as our our mystery uh, mystery bird and now this special message for over a quarter century bird watching magazine has been north america's premier magazine about wild birds and birding regular contributors include expert birders and authors such as ken kaufman david sibley pete dunn laura erickson and others learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com Hey, we're just about out of time. If you're in the Boston area, join us this afternoon. We'll be at the big photo exhibit and contest focusing on peregrine falcons at Hunt's Photo and Video in Melrose, Massachusetts. That's today at 2. Next week, the great David Clapp will be here with us right here in the Talking Bird studio talking about uh, something to do with winter birds. Uh, that'll be next week here on Talking Birds. Thanks to Mark Duffield, Debbie Bleacher, and our engineer, Tim McKenney. I'm Ray Brown, and we'll see you next week. The bird show, I like that. I love Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. Ocean State Bird Club offers bird walks, lectures, and a quarterly newsletter all focused on the hundreds of bird species that pass through Rhode Island. Fall is the perfect time to bid farewell to the last of the summer migrants. Find us at OceanStateBirdClub.org and follow us on Facebook. Ocean State Bird Club. Tweet, 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 tweet.